Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's get into the Word of God together. Father, we thank You for this morning. Lord, most of us here are used to You and Your Word, and we're used to hearing Your Word. But Father, I pray You'll give us fresh ears. Lord, sometimes we've heard something so often, it can just slide right past us. Would You open our hearts to hear afresh? Some of us, Lord, that are part of this service, we don't know much about You at all. And Lord, I pray that today You will speak. I pray God will be more than a good talk from somebody with experience, but God, it'll be You speaking directly to hearts. I pray God at the end of this service when people have the opportunity to walk closer with You, to invite You to become their companion for life. Lord, I pray that You will speak to their heart at that moment. They'll realise that all of this today was about that moment for them when they say yes to you. We thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, we've been in a series called Grow and Build. And last Sunday is a part of that ongoing uh, discussion, talking about what it means to grow as a person. Last Sunday, I spoke on the vital nature of relationships. The fact is that we are all wired for relationship in life. We regard one of the, the, the greatest punishments that we as a society can inflict on anyone is to withdraw them from any companionship. It's called solitary confinement. It's also called cruel and unusual punishment in some parts of our legal system. And the reality is that most of our growth as people, though, forgetting that extreme, most of our growth as people and every Christian should understand, most of our spiritual growth is going to be determined by how well we do relationships. You are not going to grow spiritually in isolation. I know many people want it to be about Jesus and me, but the reality is that Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the moment you commit your life to Christ, they begin to connect you with other believers, with people of like faith. There's a reason why Jesus never just picked one disciple called Peter and invested all of his time and effort in the one person who was going to be the spokesperson for him uh, on the day of Pentecost. And then at the house of Cornelius, when the Gentiles are welcomed into this new thing called the church, why didn't he just pick one? He picked 12. And he invested his time into more than one. And God is still doing that. But before we get to that, here's a statistic you might be unaware of. That in Australia, that on average, we stay in the same home on average for 11 years. That's as of now. Now, prior to the pandemic, uh, because that's the highest figure in the last 10 years, in 2009, on average, Australians sold their home and moved home every 6.9 years. And in Western Australia, I suspect that that figure is even lower because we are perhaps the most mobile of all the states of Australia. If you live in a townhouse or a unit, that figure is even less. It's down to every 6.9 years right now, you'll sell and move from where you are. In Australia, 55% of everyone that's employed has been in their job for less than five years. That means if I look across this congregation and I look at where you are, 
over half of you have been in your current employment, your current job, less than five years. For, for 20% of people, one in every five, it's less than one year that you've been in your job. And you go, Jeff, what's that got to do with this? Well, it's got a lot to do with the fact that we are disconnecting from places where once upon a time we built relationship. You went and you were a part of a team. You went and you were a part of a certain business or you knew your neighbourhood. If I walk down my street, there's a few of us that have been there the entire time Rhonda and I have lived there. But some of those houses have had five people living and they're not rented. They're owned. It's changed five times. People are coming and going. And when we're in places like that, relationships in our world right now, even though we're incredibly connected by social media and you can find out about what your friends had for lunch last week, you can find out what, where they went for their walk, you can discover what their pet likes, does the pet like to walk in the rain or not, you can find out all that kind of stuff, what they did on the long weekend. We know more about one another than we ever have. And yet in terms of ongoing nourishing relationships, we are probably at an all-time low. In terms of, and I'm not trying to be negative here and I'm certainly not anti-technology. Thank God for it. I'm just finished saying what a great joy it is that we've got a team who committed to the ministry of making sure that the truth God brings here goes out far broader than this house and this building. Thank God for that. But it means that for many of us, us, the place that traditionally was where relationships got built, well, it's no longer like that. Here's the reality that everybody needs to know is that relationships require intention and effort. They require intention and effort. And that's a four-letter word called work. You've got to work at relationships. Do I hear an amen? amen? But you know, the truth is that even in church, they require that word work. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. I love the way the Apostle Paul writes this to the Ephesian church, which was classed as one of the most spiritual and godly and Christ-like of all the churches. It was the church everybody wanted to belong to. And this is what he says, endeavouring, trying, labouring, working hard at trying to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Apparently, relationships aren't an automatic just because you're a Christian. Apparently, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're going to get on with everybody. Newsflash. Newsflash. Because some people think if I go to church, relationships will be easy. I actually think it's the opposite. I think in church, relationships can be more difficult for two reasons. Number one is because we think that you all ought to know better. Isn't that right? We all think, but he's a Christian. He shouldn't act like that. She's a Christian. I was with them in church. And look, they shouldn't act like that. And so we think, of course, if you're a Christian, well, you've all got it all wrapped up. You've got it all sewn up and you're just beautiful all the time. Amen. Just turn to your neighbour right now and say, he's not talking about you because you are beautiful all the time. 
The reality is that sometimes in church life, you need the, the ability to forgive a lot more than you do in your workplace. That, that's a sober way to start the day, isn't it? Like, seriously, Jeff, do you mean to tell me it might be harder to love that Christian? Oh, sorry to tell you, sometimes it is. Here's the second reason why I think it's harder at church is because so many people have got the idea that church is a building where I go. And so it's just a place I attend and therefore relationships are an optional extra. And so if I don't get on with you, who cares? I don't have to see you till next week. Is this too honest for everybody? Come on. Turn to your person next to you and say, I want my pastor to tell me the truth. (laughs) Hey, come on. The reality is that sometimes we just shed Christians. We just change the cafe we go to. They burned our coffee last time, so we just go to another coffee. They overcharged you once. They served your your scone with, with whipped cream instead of proper cream. So I'm not going back there again. And some people are like that with church. I didn't like that song. The drums were too loud. The lights were too bright. The pastor went too long. I think I'll go to another cafe. But the Bible speaks of church as people, not buildings, not organisations. Every Bible metaphor that I know has got plurality in it. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible talks about the church as being a body and the body's got many members, it says. The Bible talks about us being an army. Listen, if it's just one soldier, it's not an army, it's just a sniper. Huh? Are you with me here? It's only an army if I'm a part of a regiment or a battalion if I'm a part of a whole mob of them. It's not an army if I'm on my own. If you are, listen, you know why some people like being on their own? It's because they can stay in step. (laughs) Think about that a minute. When I was a little kid, that was back in the old days, Noah was still building the ark. And we had to march into school. Param, 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 pam, pam. Param, 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 pam, pam. And you know, when I'm on my own, I am perfectly in step. I did a lot of long distance running uh, for a whole bunch of years and I loved it. But I hated running with other people because I am forced to stay in step with everybody. It's just my bro- the way my brain works. So if I was running with you and you were going there and I was coming there, I'd have to... Oh, I spend more time getting in step with everybody. You don't need to worry about that if you're on your own, huh? You never have to have your opinions shaped if you're on your own. Because you're right all the time if you're on your own. The Bible speaks of the church as a we, not an I. And having that in mind then, Think about the absolute shock when Jesus says in Luke 17 verse 1, 
to His disciples, the group that are the foundation of the church. And this is what He tells them about church life. Then He, capital H, Jesus said to the disciples, it's impossible, but that no offences will come. That's quiet. You come to this church, it is impossible that no offences will come. Not from me, of course, because... But Pastor Ray, I can't guarantee... Anyone who barracks for that team that wear the wrong colour. It's impossible. Listen to that again. Because Jesus says that when it comes to life, it's impossible to go through life without offences coming your way. Therefore, I better learn how to deal with offences because they are coming. Huh? If they're coming, I better learn how to deal with them. And here's some help for when, not if, for when you are offended. Now, some of you, this is going to be really a bit of a difficult morning because you've had one of those weeks where someone really ticked you off. And you were hoping that I'd speak about anything else other than relationships and what you've got to do. Some of you here are going, praise God, I dealt with that one. I'm free this morning. All of us are going to need this. I'm going to need it. So are you. The more people you know, the more offences you can get. Just don't drive anymore. And then watch out for that electric scooter come whizzing down the footpath. Jesus said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offences will come. So I'm going to have to get better at this. Here's number one. If I'm going to get better at offences, I've got to decide whether to take offence. We use that expression, don't we? Don't take offence at what I'm saying. And inside that saying, there is a truth that offences are something that you need to take or that you need not to take. Therefore, I can choose not to take it. Hold on there. I'm not saying be a doormat. I'll come to that in a minute. But understand something, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, one of their hallmarks in the ministry of Jesus is this phrase that you read again and again and again. And they were offended at him. So these Pharisees, these religious people that went to church every day, said their prayers in the public square every day. These people got offended at the person who never sinned. He never said a wrong word, never had a wrong motive. He'd never done a wrong thing. And that tells me this, that being offended doesn't mean you're right. Let's have the benediction now and go home. <laughs> Truthfully, you should write that one down. Being offended doesn't mean you're right. We're living in a world right now where we are being coached and told and encouraged to get offended at everything. 
We get offended at someone's politics if they disagree with us. We get offended at their values if they're not our values. We get offended at the way people drive, at the way people don't drive. How many people have been offended by someone speeding and who cut you off? How many people have been offended by someone who doesn't go fast enough? (laughs) Hello? And those things might be simple, but the reality is that we're almost being told now, coached through our media, and I'm not against it, per se, but we're being told that if you get offended, you definitely ought to take it and you definitely ought to stand up and you definitely ought to challenge that. Well, I'm not sure that that's always the best way to go about it. The Pharisees, they were offended and they stood up for it and they were wrong every single time. Proverbs 19 verse 11, here's a verse for you. It says, The discretion of a man or a woman makes them slow to anger. And that person's glory is to overlook a transgression. There are some times when you've just got to go, you know what? It's okay. So what? I'm moving on. Because I find, I don't know about the rest of you here, but when I get offended, here's one thing that always happens. I stop. And I stew. I get upset. And, and all vision disappears. And if you try and encourage me, I just can't help I'm going back to that thing. What the, the reason why offences are so powerful and there's such a strategy of the enemy for your life is because it's one way to get you to stop. His glory or her glory is to overlook a transgression. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus says this, if your brother or your sister has something against you, in other words, you've offended them, you should go to them. Now he says the complete opposite or the obverse of that in Matthew 18, verse 15. He says, if you've got something against your brother or your sister, stop what you're doing and go fix it. In other words, he doesn't give me any wriggle room whether I'm the perpetrator or I'm the receiver. He said, if you're the receiver of an offence, go fix it. If you're the perpetrator of it, go fix it. It's not like you kind of got to go, well, you know, I've only got to go fix it if I started it. He says, be in the race to be the person who restores. Now, we're not talking about being a doormat here. And I'm certainly not talking about peace at any price. Some people apologise for breathing. They're sorry for everything. Amen. Wow. I'm not talking about that. I've spoken to people who were in relationships that were controlling and that were abusive and they feel like it's their fault. And when you say to them, it's got nothing to do with being your fault, this is how you move out of that and they get set free because all of a sudden they start realising that sometimes peace at any price is a fragile false peace. Now, I haven't got time to counsel everyone on the planet. And so please don't go out of here going, Jeff said, and you go home and you give them a a whole, you fire every cannon and all the ammunition you've had stored up for the last 10 years. And say, I told you in Jesus' name, pass the censor. Just calm the farm. Here's the question you've got to ask yourself. 
am I prepared to go and work this out? Which brings me to point number two. A great question to ask, what will be the result of this offence if it's not addressed according to Matthew 5 or Matthew 18, where it says, if your brother's offended you, go to him. If you've offended them, go to them. What will be the result of this offence? Because how many people know that we can get ourselves mightily offended, but it's not worth the journey to go address it. Here's three things that'll help you decide what will be the result of this offence. If the first one is simply disappointment, I'm disappointed in them. They shouldn't have done it. That was really dumb. If it's just disappointment, I would suggest you probably don't need to go and activate Matthew 5 or verse 18 or chapter 18. You probably just keep it to yourself. Anybody here ever apologise for something only to discover that the person didn't even remember? And there were you sweating all over it. What will be the result of this offence if it's not addressed? Will it be disappointment? Then probably don't bother. Will it be disagreement? In other words, we, we're polar opposites on this thing. Then maybe you should go and address it. I'll talk next week about how to go and address it. Because some people, if you go with the wrong method and the wrong spirit, you will always make it worse. Here's the third one though. There's disappointment, there's disagreement, but the third one's division. If the result of this offence is going to be division, you always should go and address it. If it means I'm not going to talk to you anymore, if it means I'm not going to come to church because you might be there, then I need to address it. Are you all still with me? What will be the result of this offence? Because not every offence ought to be addressed. Jesus talked about people that try and get the splinter out of somebody else's eye and they've got a whole gigantic tree log in their own. And he says, you know, probably you should just start with your own first. Here's point number three, because the first one there is, is decide whether to take offence, what will be the result of the offence. Here's the third one, is keep a kingdom perspective. I find this so helpful that I take the long-term view. I was thinking about this and preparing this message and realised that I do not have a person in my life where I have any form of relationship that has not offended me and that I have not offended. Think about that a minute. I don't know anyone in my life and a lot of them are here and some of you are just right now going, I didn't know I'd offended him. Probably because I went through step one and said, don't even worry about it. Or I went to step two and went, am I going to divide over this? No, then don't bother about it. Anybody here married? Rhonda and I have the perfect marriage. All that great marriage counselling they give you and they talk about, you know, all this stuff. But no, no one ever tells you what do you do when you vehemently disagree with your spouse. I don't tell you that. How do you resolve that? Pray. 
Trouble is God tells her one thing and tells me something else. Or at least one of us is wrong. So you've got to keep a kingdom perspective. Are you with me? Keep a kingdom perspective long term. Think about Jesus on the cross. Matthew chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus is on the cross and if anybody could be offended, he could have been offended at the Pharisees who called for his crucifixion. He could have been offended at Pilate's wishy-washy, you know, I find no fault this man, but oh, look, if keep nagging me, we'll go kill him. He could have been offended at Herod. Herod and Pilate who'd never seen eye to eye and now they become friends over this one problem of this Judean teacher. He could have been offended. What, where were all the people that he'd raised from the dead and healed? Where were all the people that had been fed of the 5,000? Why weren't they there forming a, a barrier between Jesus and the cross? Where were all of those people when he's on trial? Are they storming the, the Herod's court? Are they going to Pilate's house? Are they going to where he lives? Are they saying, no, you don't understand. I was blind. Now I can see. You can't crucify him. He did a miracle for me. My daughter lied at home. She was grievously tormented. He was the one who spoke a word and set her free. What about the centurion whose servant Jesus healed? Where's he? If anybody can get offended, it ought to have been Jesus. And listen to the words of Jesus with a kingdom perspective. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Amen. Come on. I think one of the great assets that believers have in their life is just a kingdom perspective that says, I'm not here for the short term. I'm here for an eternity. Amen. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts when you believe. It starts when you say yes to Jesus. That's what 1 John says. It says this is the record that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever's got the Son of God has got eternal life. You don't have to wait for heaven. It'll start the moment you say yes to Jesus. And I can say yes to Him and He will come into my life. Father, forgive them. Keep a kingdom perspective. That doesn't mean you, you just, just can't go, oh, too bad. I think there are some things people ought to address. My experience has been that very few people will. My title for this message was either offended or awkward conversations. Let me give you, these aren't up there for you and they're not in the notes that are provided, but I just think it goes almost without saying that if you're going to deal with offences, ask for and pray for wisdom in your life because it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? You kind of need wisdom all the time. Anybody here know what it's like when you're about to say something and there's that little thing in here? Ooh, tiny, very quiet. And it says, uh-uh. And you go, but oh God, I'm really in the right this time and I really want to give it to them. They need to know. Jesus, you said, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set them free. Brother and sister, I'm here to set you free today. I'm going to tell you what I think. I don't think that's what the scripture means at all. And so when the Holy Spirit comes and says, uh-uh. And we go, oh. That's the wisdom of God at work in your life. Amen. If you want a fifth one, 
I'm going to ask my wife, Pastor Rhonda, to come and pray for us that God will help us because I just think this is, this is real life. I love the fact that the Bible talks about it. I love the fact that he gives us ways and talks about how next Sunday morning, as I said, I'm going to speak about how do you go and have that conversation? What are the do's and don'ts of that? What are the things that are so practical? If you get them wrong, you'll blow it up. If you get it right, you'll solve it. But if you want a fifth one, this would be my next question for you. Are your relationships crockpot or instant noodles? You know what instant noodles are like? One minute on high. Zip. Instant meal. It's so nourishing that three minutes later, you don't know you ate it. And sad to say, that's what a lot of people's relationships are like. Instant noodles. And they have a connection and later on feel so unsustained and unnourished. And they go, what was the matter with me? Well, maybe it's because you're trying to, you know, just get them instantly. You know, if you are new to this church, it might take you a while because everybody else who you think knows everybody. And you don't know anybody and so you come in going, well, you know, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm a part of it. Well, probably you wouldn't. I remember the first time they ever asked me to step up a couple of grades and I got asked to play A grade basketball and I remember going, oh, I don't want to do that. I looked at all them and I thought, look, they're all really good and I'm definitely not that good. But they were really, really desperate. And I'll never forget Darren Nash said to me, he said, just come and stand on the court. That'll be a help. Well, I got a little bit offended. Like, hello, before I was just being humble. I don't think I'm that bad. But, you know, I got on there and I discovered that in A grade, they really run. They don't jog. And so I'm looking for the the ambo with the oxygen mask, just one minute in. But you know, I kind of got to like it. By about the third game I played, I thought I never want to go back to a lower grade ever again because I've enjoyed this one. I think it's the same with relationships. If you will persist, if you let God enlarge your capacity, I just needed to get a bigger capacity. If you let God enlarge your capacity, you'll be amazed how after a while you'll go, oh, no, I never want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to just saying hi in a wave. I want to have great relationships in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Pastor Rhonda, I want you to come, if you will, and just pray for us all because I think so many of us, so many of us, when it comes to this, and I'm asking Rhonda because she's been married to me for a while, how long? 44 years. Lord have mercy. She was, she was but a child. They're reporting you because they're going, oh Lord, what a saint she is. So she put up with him at home. Wow. But also know this, that the greatest joys in your life will come out of relationships and the greatest pain will also come there. 
but it doesn't have to stay pain. Listen to me. I want to say it so clearly because I know that I'm speaking to people here. Some of you have had the worst uh, relationships. They were abusive. They were cruel. They were hurtful. And please don't think I'm just tossing out a cliche. But I believe God's got something better for you. I believe God's got good relationships in store for you. I don't believe God wants your life to be an endless cycle of pain and breakup and pain and breakup. I believe He wants to help you. Rhonda, just pray. Thanks. Heavenly Father, You are a God of love. You are love. We pray this morning, Lord, that You will teach us to love, to love like You love, to love like Jesus loved us. That You put in us a heart of forgiveness and reconciliation. Lord, that You'll give us the wisdom that we so desperately need to navigate life's relationships. We thank You, Lord, that You promise that You will. If we look to you, if we call on you, you will grant us that wisdom. You give us that heavenly perspective, Lord, that we can see beyond the immediate offences or whatever it is that we're tripping over, Lord. And you'll give us that grace to move forward. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I was thinking this morning how there are two views that people have in Australia about God. One is of a God who's kind of oblivious. He sits in heaven and he just is enjoying there and looks down and he just looks at us and thinks, what a mess. Then there's the other view, the Bible view, which is the Bible says, for God so loved the world. In other words, he never looked at us and went, they're just terrible or they're hopeless. The Bible says He looked at us and He loved us. But He loved us so much that He sent His Son who was beside Him in heaven and said, I'm sending you to the earth. Yeah, I know it's a mess. Yeah, I know people are lost. Yeah, I know there's brokenness. He said, but I want you to bring them back to me. You know, Jesus willingly did it. He didn't have to be talked into it, forced into it. He actually told the leaders of, of the Romans, he said, I'm laying down my life. He said, you couldn't take it. I'm willingly doing this. And I believe this morning there's some people that are part of the service, whether you're online or you're in the building, wherever you are. And you know that today is not just an accident, a coincidence, a moment that somehow or other you happen to be here. But God's been looking for you because He started looking for you the moment He said to Jesus, will you go to earth and find? my people. Will you go there and find my children? Can I just have every head bowed and eye closed? God's been looking for you. He's been looking to find you. He's wanting you to be close to Him. He wants to walk with you in a minute. I'm going to get Pastor Rhonda again just to pray. For people that are going to say yes to Jesus, I know people will do it. Some of you, you'll be in the building and you'll say yes to Jesus. And I would so love the opportunity to include you in this prayer. Some of you, it'll be online. You'll send in that yes text. God will know who you are. Well, He just does. But He wants to welcome you. Just before Rhonda prays, if you're in the building though, I just feel like this morning this is important for some people that are here. I don't know who you are. I don't know your life. don't know what your life has been like. But if you know this morning that the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now saying this is for you I've been looking for you why don't you just slip your hand up so I can see it 
put it back down again, I'd love to pray for you and include you. Just right now, I'm not going to embarrass you. That's never what this is about. Would you do that right now if that's you? Just slip it up and put it back down again. I'll see it and I'll pray with you this morning. I'm looking up at the balcony as well, just wherever people are. Thank you. They'll ask you to join the church. Make a great and grand commitment. I'm asking to say to Jesus, this is the starting point. I'm coming to you, Lord. Thank you for that. Ron, would you pray for those people, please? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for those who've heard that still small voice this morning, just prompting them of their need of you as Saviour. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just let your presence be felt in their lives. Let them know that indeed they've become a child of their Heavenly Father. Let them know that their sins are now forgiven and they can walk free into the new life that you have for them. We pray your blessing upon them. We pray that, Lord, day by day you'll teach them and you'll guide them into the future that you have for them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Rhonda. If you said yes to Jesus, or if you're saying yes to Jesus in your heart, please let us know. We'd love to be a part of helping you. All you got to do is send the word yes, Y-E-S, to the number that's up there on the screen for you right now, 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia, or if you just prefer to get our help via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, the next day after you do it, We'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer. If it's on one screen of the smartphone, we'll send you a different one every single day as a help for you to start walking with God. Because walking with God is like any relationship. The more you talk with them and the more they talk to you, the more you get to know them. We want to help you do that. So God bless you as you do that. The number's up there on the screen. You can do it at any time. It'll be just wonderful. All right? Well, I just love the fact that God puts us together as people, that we don't have to do life alone, that we can do life together with others. That's why we have the cafe out. It's not because you're all so desperate for great coffee. It's really so you can kind of hang around and say hi to somebody. And maybe you might go, I don't know anybody yet. Well, then that's a great place to start. Just come out there. There'll be somebody that'll just look out for you and want to just have a chat and say hi. It'd be awesome. Don't forget tonight, Matt named his own, going to be on my story, but also Pastor Bruce with Shape Straight After. You can just go to that if you want to. I know that Pastor Ray is going to be on um, ministry time in the studio for those of you online. I know that John and Trudy are getting ready to pray. And can I just say what a blessing it is when your prayer doesn't come out of just an anonymous person, but you see it in front of you. And this couple, I know, are going to be investing their heart and their faith in praying with you. If you need prayer before you leave this morning, it'll be our joy. But let's stand up. We're going to sing together that song we sang earlier. You know what a beautiful name it is, because it is a beautiful name. And I pray this week, you know, can I say this? If, if this preaching today has stirred up something and upset you, go away and listen to it again. It stays up on, on YouTube and our channel. Here. Go back and listen to it again. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? Do you want me to make that phone call, write that letter? Do you want me to cross the aisle, go see that person? In my joy to obey you and be led by you. Give me your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Here we go.